people have told me it's not professional. So <laughs> it is professional. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Daily Attorney. You just caught us in uh, mid-chat. Anyway, as you know, at The Daily Attorney, we talk to women attorneys all over the United States who are amazing at what they do inside and outside the legal profession. As you know by now, we are celebrating Haitian Flag Day, and we are doing that by interviewing Haitian women attorneys for the entire month of May. So our guest today is Alexandra Stephanie Audate, the owner and managing attorney at Audate Law Group. After years of working at Catholic Legal Services, she decided to go into private practice and focus her practice on providing representation to queer and transgender immigrants and to immigrants struggling with serious illnesses. She has branded herself as your queer migration attorney. <laughs> and she has dedicated her life to advocating for members of the LGBTQIA plus community in and out of the courtroom. She has extensive experience representing immigrant clients in federal and state court. She is a proud member of the Black Lives Matter Alliance of Broward and the lead person for their repeal stand your ground Florida committee. She also sits on the board of directors of the Haitian Lawyers Association, and in her spare time, she enjoys painting, traveling, and reading books about history and Black feminism. She is fluent in English, French, Creole, and Spanish. Thank you so much, Stephanie, for, for just being here. Um, excuse me. Why did I call you Stephanie? Alexandra, for being here. I, I literally just got a text message from my friend Stephanie and I'm like, don't look at it, don't look at it, don't look at it. That's why. Thank you, Stephanie, for that. <laughs> anyway, thank you again for being here with us to celebrate Haitian Flag Day with an insightful and funny podcast where we get to know you and what makes you, you. Thank you again. I am so going to give my friend for sending me a text. By the way, when you're live, all sorts of stuff happen. We've had dogs, we've had sirens. We've had music, <laughs> we've had tech difficulties, we've had all sorts of stuff. But anyway, Alexandra, thank you so much for being here with us to celebrate Haitian Flag Day. <laughs> thank you for having me. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. And I know we were talking a little bit um, backstage where you were uh, referring to your 93 year old client who you just took through the entire naturalization process. Um, so I really, really want to start with that, because like I told you, you know, I'm an immigrant, you're an immigrant and, you know, the process can sometimes be friendly or not friendly, depending on who you are and you know what country you're coming from, right? So please walk us through how your 93-year-old uh, client got through naturalization. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, um, her process wasn't unfriendly. It, it was just impressive that somebody her age could have that kind of memory. And you know, when you get your interview notices, you usually get a couple of months sometimes to prepare, but we received her interview notice late April for an interview today. So she only had about 15 days and a hundred questions to study to oh be ready. Gosh. And she did it, she did it. And you know, you go to your interview, you get 10 questions, but you only need to get six out of 10 right. And she got the first six right. So she didn't even get to 10 questions because she, oh. She got it all right, and everybody was impressed. It was it was a beautiful moment. Um, as, amazing. as an attorney, those are the moments that really make kind of your career. Right? Like I, I don't think I'll ever forget just 
how beautiful it was to see someone her age and you know she's vibrant she has good memory she's she was she was just amazing that's amazing so someone who is um you know 93 years old how long does the government kind of you know take like does it is an application like that expedited or does it just go through the regular queue with everybody else there are no special treatment for people who are 93 years old but there there are some exemptions for people who have um disabilities but she is not a disabled 93 year old she was she's vibrant and has excellent memory so we couldn't in good conscience get an exemption for her because a medical doctor simply wouldn't sign off on something like this. So she had to actually study. And wow. She That's amazing. And I know you said backstage that um, she just had a really profound effect on the individuals that were at the facility. They were probably like blown away, right? Yeah, everybody was just so impressed by her. And, you know, because of COVID regulations, they don't allow anyone but the applicants, but they did do a slight exception for her and allow her daughter to witness the moment. So it was just beautiful. It was just, just beautiful, you know, to have her daughter there and see her mom just swearing in and, and doing the whole thing. So it was, it was a beautiful moment. It was beautiful. Do you ever get, um, I love talking to immigration attorneys, by the way, I think you guys have the best job. Um, you really, really get to kind of not only know your clients, but change their lives and everyone else that comes down the line, right? That's that's yes. huge. Um, and I think that that's a lot of, uh, you know, responsibility. So how did you make a decision to get into the um, immigration field, right? Because as you know, there's many, many different areas of law. Um, and I, I believe there's a shortage of immigration attorneys. Um, so how did you make the decision and say, you know what, this is something that I'm passionate about? I honestly didn't choose immigration. You know, in a lot of ways, it chose me. I went to law school because I wanted to get into policy work relating to immigration, but not actually practice immigration. But when I when I came out of law school, I was like, well, you know what? If you're going to be wanting to have policies that benefit immigrants, you're kind of going to have to know what the process is like. So the plan was to maybe for a year or two, you know, do immigration and then transition to that. But you know, eight years later, countless wow. wonderful events, you know, weddings. I've been to law school graduations, ah. to undergraduate graduations. Here I am still going at it. But yeah, you know, last year I got to go to a law school graduation for- That is amazing. That is such an amazing thing. We're not colleagues. <laughs> that is amazing. Like that is such a feel good, you know, there are areas of law that you can practice that really is a feel good area. And I think immigration and adoption law, um, even patent and trademark, you know, when you have a client who, you know, they're working on something and you get to have them protect it, like that's big too. So I think there are just some areas that are feel good law and, you know, you're all smiley and you're bubbly and you're happy. So clearly it's the best area for you, you know? Um, so far, it's working. <laughs> Good. Well, I mean, eight years is a long time. <laughs> eight years is a long time for it not to work. So talk to us, um, you know, about the process of, uh, you know, opening your own business. Like, how was that like? Um, Opening my own business was mm -hmm. a bit of a journey for me, honestly. Mm -hmm. And part of it is really because, um, and I'm going to get, because I'm very, me right yes. so it really it really is you know um 
a lot of, you know, imposter syndrome, internalized, um, a lot of internalized self-doubt because, you know, like as a black woman, as an immigrant black woman who speaks with an accent, can I really do this? Are people going to actually even want services from me when there's like other lawyers who don't speak with an accent, who are not black, who are not fat, who are not this, who are not that, you know, you tell yourself all these things and you're like, are people even going, is, is the phone going to be ringing? Like, because you really want to take a chance of yourself and, you know, I work for Catholic Charities and I, I love Catholic Charities because the training you get there as an attorney mm-hmm. is amazing. Like you leave there and you feel like you know something. And I really felt like I knew something. Now, the something that I knew is, was it something that people was were going to be willing to pay for? And that's really where like the fear was. So I actually started out partnering with somebody mm-hmm. and it kind of fell through. And I was like, okay, what am I going to do? And I had a lot of hiccups along the way. Like, can I really do this? Should I take a chance on myself? Even deciding on an office space was like a nightmare for me. I was like, really? I can't pay for this place. Like, mm-hmm. it was so hard. Like, thinking, are you going to be able to make it? And, you know, I've been on my own now for four years. And I can genuinely say it's all a lie. Like, it's all a lie that you tell yourself. It's all a lie. But, but it's not a lie that is rooted in something you know, nonsensical. It is real. Yeah. Like the way we are socialized and the way self-doubt like sneaks into our lives because of that socialization is real. Like you really doubt your capacities and so you can really do it. Every business starting out is hard and starting a law firm is no different. But if you mm-hmm. personally do it, the phone is going to be ringing. The door is, you know, I can't even get my clients to leave me alone on Sundays. Call <laughs> the office phone all the time. They call my cell phone. They call all sorts of things. Um, well, <laughs> clearly, if you if you're getting you know <laughs> invited to different functions, yeah, they're not leaving you alone. No, you're you're their attorney for life, and it's the best. I've had you know clients from 2017 when I first opened my doors, and it's mm-hmm. just been like wow, you know. And every year they call me, hey Marie, you know, need you to review and prepare my taxes, and I need this, and my friend needs, and I'm like, you still remember me, you know? Um, your, your clients essentially become family, right? And, and friends. And it's just, it's just such an amazing thing. Um, and that's, I think that's the, the best trade-off that we could ever have as attorneys. You know, for all the hard work that we do, we have clients that truly care and appreciate. And it's not just a transaction, um, it's a relationship. Right. So I, I think that that that's definitely huge. So, and if I'm looking down, cause I'm, I'm taking notes cause I wanted to ask you about this. You said that, so I wrote down five things and I know we can't talk about all five. I would love to take up all your time, but I can't do that. The first thing I definitely want to ask you about is the policy work. What made you decide to, because technically you're doing a lot of policy work right now, right? You're embroiled in, you know, fighting for LGBT um, immigrants um, and, and just LGBT individuals, um, um, you know, in general, which is amazing as a member of the LGBTQIA plus how many acronyms, letters we have myself, <laughs> you know, it's always nice to have people, especially, you know, people from immigrant countries um, who understand that this is a very special, in a sense, very special population that just gets, you know, just marginal, marginalized for no reason at all. Um, 
the second thing that you stated was that, you know, you talk about working at Catholic charities. So in that, I, I mean, I'm hearing a lot of policy work in Catholic charities and organizations and HLA, all the things. So what made you decide to kind of like branch away from, from that, but then still enter that area in the first place? I never branched away from policy work. Um, it's just that policy of respectability is never something that suited me. So mm -hmm. entering into politics, because when you're entering policy, I never wanted to be a politician. Mm -hmm. But when you are entering into policy work, you are entering into politics. And I am a I do what I want kind of girl. Okay? okay. I do what I want in my family. My family is over me with my I do what I want. You know, everybody, my friends are over me. Everybody's over me. Like they are over the like girl. But do you ever try to go with the flow? Like, do you no. follow people ever? Like, no, no, that's so fun. No, no. So. you don't need. You don't need to. You don't need to follow anyone but you and who you are. And you know, and I'm so sorry to interrupt this, but it's amazing that you said that because even the color of your hair, right? Like, we're attorneys, and it's like we have to think about: is the color of my hair okay? Am I wearing my lipstick too loud? Is my outfit this? Is my it, it just what does that have to do with being a human being who's doing amazing work? Like for me, the two does that make sense? Of course it does. Certainly. I mean, but I always tell people I did worry about the color of my hair. I worried about whether I was gonna like it. <laughs> you know, I don't really care what people think. Like in in even even today, and I think today was a was a really wonderful day for me in my office. Mm -hmm. We had three hearings and everything went well at all three. And then we had our naturalization interview that went amazing as I just told you. And one of the judges, the judges love me, they respect me because they know I am about my work. I'm going to come prepared. I'm going to do what I do. And one of the judges was like, yeah, I almost didn't recognize you because every time you come, your hair is a different color. It's a different no. color. I said, you know it. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to bring it. He said, yeah, it always looks good. I said, correct. And, and everybody was looking at me like, especially some of the black people who were there, because, you know, a lot of us in, in that, that space in the legal space, we really buy into respectability policy. Yes. We really buy into the you have to wear the dark suit, yes. you have to wear the toned down things, you have to disappear and stuff like that. And I'm like, no, when I when I arrive to present my client case, I have arrived. Okay. I hear I that. Wholesale. Let's go, Alexandra. <laughs> not trying to change. I like it. I really Wait. like it. But, but what you just said is exactly, to be honest, and I hate to admit this, that's how I used to think. I used to feel that I, I needed to shrink myself in order to make other people, you know, happy or comfortable. And, you know, if you ever met my sister, my sister is you. Like, she's just, listen, I'm walking in. Everybody is looking at me. She actually just texts me. These people text me during this broadcast. She's like, your hair looks amazing. Um, but... Thank you. Thank you. Like I told you, I did it myself this morning. I started last night, ended probably 30 minutes before I broadcast. So thank you. But, um, you know, she, like you, walks into a room and you come in and you have that presence. You have an amazing aura and an amazing presence. But for people like me, I always thought, well, let me blend in. Let me sit in the back. Let me not talk too much or not talk too loud. But 
I had business coaching um, with 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 a coach, and I remember she was also like that. And now, like you, you can't put her in a box. You you can't label her anything other than who she is. And so I've started kind of coming out of that and just saying no, saying no to things I just don't want. Correct. And before I used to be that person that's just like, oh, well, I want to do this because this person said no. The answer is no. If I don't want to do something, I'm not going to do it. And being an attorney, you have to dim. It almost seems like you kind of have to dim that light in you. And like you said, disappear. But at the same time, you have proven that you are about your work and the color of your hair has nothing to do with you being able to win a motion. Correct. It just doesn't, you know, so. Yeah, it, it, it just, it doesn't. But we tell ourselves, another thing you stated was, you know, we tell ourselves um, a lot of lies. Um, what was one of the biggest lies you essentially told yourself other than, you know, your practice, but just being a business owner, what was one lie that you told yourself? And then ultimately you said, nope, I'm going to shift this and I'm going to do this differently. Um, I think the biggest lie I told myself was that I could do this work without help. It really is true. And it also goes back to fears about finances, but also now socialization as a Black woman, feeling like you have to do it all. And I'm like, I actually really like rest. I like the beach. I like happy hour. And um, I like Netflix. Yes. I the Netflix. I do too. I watch Bling Dynasty. Okay. I like Real Housewives. (laughs) (laughs) You know? So, yeah. Like, the biggest lie is try to hoard all of that money. And that also comes sometimes from insecurities around being immigrant, right? If we're really, really honest, a lot of us as first generation immigrants or even second generation immigrants um, or immigrants ourselves, we really want to as much cash as we want because we want to have a life that we know our parents, our ancestors, like so many people dreamt of. So it's like, okay, if my firm is bringing in $750,000, I can, or a million dollars, I can hire help and bring home $400,000 and be happy and well-rested, or I can fight to do it by myself and like, yeah. Yeah, you do, you do, you do. And thank you, Pascal. She says she loves the energy. That's my sister, by the way. Um, <laughs> you see, even her picture is extra. You guys are just so extra. I love it. So extra. it is. You guys are absolutely gorgeous. I love it. I, I love the positivity of, you know, what you're bringing in. And I, I firmly think that, you know, HLA is the um, Haitian lawyers association is really lucky to have you know all of the guests that i've had on this week um excuse me this month have been from hla and it's just it's been amazing like you guys just bring in an aura a uniqueness a positivity you know the level of knowledge that everyone has i'm just like you know mind blown um and i know that um you stated (laughs) that you don't need any help but you do Right. And oh, right. you realize that. And I I struggled with the same thing. I was like, I got this. I can do this. I can do that. And lately I'm like, you know what? No, I'm not playing it safe anymore. I'm not. Everything has worked 
up until now, it's going to work in another five years, you know? So I definitely agree with you um, on that. So what, and I, I know I had questions. <laughs> we totally went away from them. What made you decide to, you know, advo advocate for um, members of the LGBTQIA plus community um, and, and immigrants at that? And, and even like Black Lives Matter, like if you don't mind talking to us about that, I know that those are heavy areas, um, but they do interest me. Yeah. So let's let's go in reverse order, right? Let's talk about Black Lives Matter. Um, actually, what I tell people all the time, you know, my mom was a unionist. She worked for a union back in Haiti. So I never really stood a chance, right? I always was involved in community organizing. I was a kid. And, you know, I have to say my parents were extremely privileged. I grew up very, very privileged in Haiti compared to most people. But yet I was a kid who used to go into what people would call slums, you know, poor areas and do education, you know? And I remember my mom saying, you want, and we used to do HIV education, voting awareness, civics and stuff like that. And I remember my mom sitting with her colleagues and saying, y'all, you can't tell someone to go vote when they're hungry. We have to organize around food security, housing security, and other things as well, because the things that we're saying are good, but nobody wants to listen to it if they're hungry. Nobody wants to listen to it if they don't have a place to stay. So this is the lens with which I came to the United States. And my mom did live in the US for some part of her college education as well. So okay. I remember saying, you know, like the, don't listen to anything we'll tell you about land of the free and all that. There are a lot of things that are very messed up with this world. Yes. And yes. like on one of them is the way that black people are treated here. Yeah. And so I remember the first time I spoke to somebody who was Haitian about that. And and I made a lot of friends who are from the Caribbean, you know, we flocked together, Haitians, Jamaicans, yeah. all that. So, and I remember telling them about it and they were like, no, like the police, like these, like they seem in their mind to have differentiated between the plight of black immigrants and black American people and somehow kind of believe almost that black American people must have done something wrong, right? right. And it's so hard to try to explain that to them. Like the fact that there is no racial disparity between us and the police where we come from, right? Um, the fact that um, the police where we come from has no nothing in their mind creates prejudice based on our right race. because right. we're all the same we all look the same i've never met right. a cop who was white in haiti i've never even met a cop that was light-skinned to be honest with you oh. so all the cops that i knew were brown skin and dark-skinned people so mm -hmm. for them to look at somebody and be like oh because you're black you're this is something that never even crosses their mind because there is there's nothing in their mind that can process that you know gotcha. Somebody in their skin color and wanting immediately thinking danger, 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 or whatever the police thinks when they murder black people. I really don't think I should probably offer a content warning. As I'm right. Um, and so when I got involved in Black Lives Matter, it really was wanting to offer that perspective to black immigrants. And then I realized that on the, the flip side was also true. People who had the privilege of citizenship didn't understand what it was like to be a black immigrant. So it was kind of juggling both sides. It's like, yeah. You're talking about criminalization of black people, but you have no idea what happens to black immigrants after yes. the police criminalizes us. ICE comes and get us, and that's also important. And they take us right back, yeah, and deport us to places sometimes that we've never been to. I mean, I've had kids who come here when they were like two months old who got deported. 
Like this is something that's important. These kids don't know these countries they are being sent to. They are you, as American as you are. Do you have, because I think we have a unique perspective being immigrants who are also Americans, who are also attorneys and women, mm-hmm. right? We have so many different layers. Right, like so many layers. Um, do you find that you are able to understand both sides? Because I actually understand both sides. Like I understand, you know, the U.S. citizen privilege side, and I understand the immigrant side. I don't know that I understand it, but I I see how they reach that conclusion is what I would say because there's there's nothing to understand when these things are the products of white supremacy, right? Like both sides in conclusion, believe the things that they believe because white supremacy has done a number of on them. Right. Um, so I do see how white supremacy has done a number on our people, right. um, but it is not justified. I don't understand it. But again, white supremacy has been hard at work for centuries. So, But that's my- the thing. It's, it's kind of difficult to undo something that has been ingrained in people's minds. And it doesn't even have anything to do with race, right? It could just be, look at women. You know, women as we grown up, right? If you look at social media, you look at movies, TVs, we're taught to look a certain way, talk a certain way, act a certain way, blah, 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 all that, right? Um, and the people and the women who, who don't fall into those norms, they're considered rule breakers. Yeah. And, you know, you've seen just generations upon generations kind of just following blindly. And I think that, you know, because children are not born racist, they're taught, right? Yeah, so they this homophobic chance with all right, right. Oh. It's all taught. And for me, it's it's a matter, and I and I wrote down in circles understanding because you know you talked about that earlier. I feel you know, understanding people, understanding who they are, what makes them unique, where they're coming from, is a it it will make whatever fear you have a lot less scary and yeah. irrational if you realize that it's based in nonsensical ideas, you know. Yeah. So and, and, you know, thank you for that. I didn't mean to kind of turn us, but I, I was really interested because um, I've never, um, you know, interviewed nor talked to someone, you know, who's involved in the BLM, um, you know, movement in any part of the country. So I think that that's very enlightening. Now, as far as, you know, your trans community and your LGBT um, work, what made you kind of dive into that area? Well, it's a couple of things, right? As a queer and identifying person myself, I was like, where is the, where do we find respect in representing these people, right? Okay. And I mean, these people, I mean, LGBTQ plus population and persons with disabilities too. And I'm gonna, and I'm gonna tell you why I wrap them both together, right? Okay. Um, I, I am for the most part perceived as an able-bodied person, right? Um, but I do struggle with some health problems and I have many members of my family who are disabled, you know, physically disabled with visible disabilities. Um, and in, in my conversations with them, I realized that two things happen and it happens in both communities, in the disabled community and in the LGBTQ plus community. People who present themselves as people who want to hide their realities are applauded, are, are respected, and people who are unashamed and unafraid and who live openly and visibly 
are often regarded as almost offensive. Right. And, you know, I remember, and I remember very early on in my career, uh, my, my aunt that I love very much, who's a medical doctor, became disabled after she was shot in Haiti, you know, Haiti, with right. problems and other things. Um, and she was very vocal about accessibility, you know? She was like, I don't wanna stay home. I wanna work, I wanna be in a clinic, I wanna be in the hospital, but the beds are not accessible, the hospital rooms are not accessible, the clinics are not accessible. And she became kind of like her, a little bit of a warrior on her own almost, because, you know, Haitian people, they don't know how to advocate for themselves a lot of times, especially Haitians with disabilities. They kind of put themselves in a corner and barely engage and participate in society. And I've seen that people who are queer identifying is the same way. People are like, yeah, you can be gay. You can be trans. Just do that over there. Don't yeah. bring it over yeah. here. Right? Yeah. I'm like, no, bring it over here. We want it all over here because we are who we are and we all belong at the table. Yeah. And, you know, when I was, when I started to engage in this work, I realized how grateful people were simply because my intake forms did not have salutations. They yeah. didn't have gender, male, female. It had gender dash. I remember talking to an attorney like, how do you make an inclusive practice? What do you put for gender? I said, I don't. I just put dash. I let them fill it in. And she was like, oh, yeah. can you imagine? I didn't give them an option. I just put a dash and you just feel whatever you want. <laughs> and you're like, I never thought of that. I was like, oh, yeah. it's really that simple, right? Yeah. You're like, pronouns. Do you put she, her, they, them? What do you put? I said, I just put a dash. Yeah. I really just put a dash. And I let the person put whatever they put. And once they put it, I read it and I put it in my mind. I'm like, yeah. I didn't take that. You yeah. know? And, and it's so it's so easy, yet it, it seems so complicated because again we have let socialization and things that we've been taught um made us feel like things are supposed to be this way because no nothing is supposed to be any kind of way yeah adjusted anything can be changed anything can be reformed all people deserve respect as far as i'm concerned the only way you're gonna lose my respect is by doing something that is unethical yeah or sexist, racist, transphobic, violent, like, otherwise, I really don't, I don't, yeah, yeah, you stay over there, I'll stay over here, that's it, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, and I mean, I love that, I think, you know, inclusivity um, is very, very important, um, we all need someone and others to relate to, but more importantly, our opinions are not always going to match, right, I feel like the way we make our communities and our families better and just the way we grow as individuals is by learning what makes Alexandra Alexandra or what makes Marie Eve Marie Eve. Because we're from two different backgrounds. Yeah, we're from the same country, but we're from two different backgrounds. You know, so ultimately, I, I, I think that, you know, my perspective on the world will kind of broaden and change if I meet more people that do not think like me. There's nothing wrong with that. Really we good. can't all agree with each other. You know, um, and, and I think, you know, as members of, um, um, you know, the legal field, we all kind of just want everyone to think the same. And we, we just don't, you know, we're, we were all trained the same, but it's funny that, you know, when you meet business owners such as yourself, we all run our practices very, very differently. 
absolutely. You know, yeah, in ways that are unique to us. And you know, I have some some lawyers that won't go to lunch with a client, but I would, you know. And I have people like you who are invited to weddings and all sorts of, you know, different events. So I, I think, you know, as you stated, to just include members of other communities, wherever they're from, I think that that would make things a lot easier. Um, but realistically, some people are afraid of what they don't know. That is true. That's the other problem. They're afraid of what they don't know. And they don't want to change. Um, so, but with that, I'm sure we can talk about that all day. I did want okay. to ask you, um, you know, for you, what what is one of those accomplishments that you are just most proud of in your business? Um, uh, that's such a hard question because there's so <laughs> many things that I that I truly, truly love, Absolutely. and I would say. My okay, that one is kind of easy, right? I guess it goes back to what we were saying before: is that I never had to change who I was to be to to be able to do this. And I think that's one of the things I was really proud of: is I was able to market myself as me and get people to buy into me, you know. And um, I always, when I talk to the people that work with me and really are the backbone of this business, I tell them all the time. And I think a lot of people think that's bad business strategies. Stand up for yourself. Don't let anybody yes. bully you. Yes. Stand up yes. to the client that's being a bully and tell them that's yes. unacceptable and that's yes. okay. You yes. know, when I, if I hire somebody and I train them, I spend time with the people I work with. I believe that they have good judgment. I don't hire people who don't have good judgment. Mm -hmm. So I trust you to be able to stand up for yourself and, and to show up as yourself. You know, everybody I work with show up as themselves and I accept them as they are. And, you know, we, ve we value mental health here. You can yeah. take a day off if today is not your day and that's okay. So I really did it my way. And I, and I, and I'm very proud of that, that I've, that I've done it my way every step of the way and I made it work some people might disagree with the way I've done it and that's okay. I, I didn't do it for them. I did it for me. It's my business, not yours. I hear that. And I, I love that. Um, you know, bullying bullies in general, people who are rude, we, we don't deal with that at the same law firm. We, 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 we don't Camille shaking her head. We don't deal with that. No, no. I respect everyone. And if you're going to call my office, you're going to respect us. Right? Correct. This is an exchange. And, you know, Camille and I have been working together for some time. I have my other colleague, um, Jaika. It's the three of us. And we, you know, thankfully, we don't come across that often, probably once or twice. But I let them know if someone is rude, you let them know. Unfortunately, we can't move forward and just move on. I am not going to... You know, I think as attorneys, we take a lot and women too. You know, I've gone into courtrooms where, you know, a male attorney won't even not even looking at me while having a conversation with me and I'm the counsel, you know, and I'm like, uh, attorney right here, buddy. Hi, how you doing? You know, so we face different different types of disrespect. I will not do it with potential clients. I will not do it with clients. I just don't. I don't I don't think anybody has to put up with that. You know, especially in a field where you're coming to us for help. So if you're coming to us for help and you're treating us like shit, I, I mean, what are you doing? 
you know, so we, we, we definitely don't do that. Um, as far as, uh, you know, the languages goes, when I saw the languages, I was like, man, she beat me. Oh my goodness. And we were talking about um, the Spanish. Now I was telling you, I speak Spanish also, but since moving to Maryland, um, I just, I mean, who am I speaking Spanish to? <laughs> so, you know, you're like losing it, right? So you just have to get refreshes. Even my Creole, um, you know, I got to ask my mom to translate some words or something like that. It's just not something that is just like, you know, comes out. So um, for you, like, how do you keep up with, you know, your Spanish and your Creole and your French? Do you get to practice daily? Yeah, those are the perks of immigration, you know. That is true. Uh, the practice walks into the office every day. So I get to I get to really just have conversation with people. And what I realize is, is that clients really do enjoy teaching you. Mm. And they really enjoy, if you're honest, because Spanish is not my first language. Sometimes there are words they say and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, hey, 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 you don't know that I said, well, teach me something then. Hope you don't trust me because I charge. <laughs> you know? So yeah, we we you know, they teach me things every day. There there are certain words. Like I didn't know how to say a formal complaint in Spanish, a criminal complaint, you know, because I didn't learn Spanish within the context of the legal field. Yes. The legal yes. words I never knew. I learned them. With clients and yes. attorneys who speak Spanish, yes, um, even Creole. Really, that's what Creole at home. But we went out here suing nobody in my house, <laughs> right? Suing the Creole. It, but it's true because it's like you know, if you're talking to someone, even you know, we both speak Creole. It's like I'm sitting here trying to think, how do I say someone is suing you? Like I don't even, I, I don't even. I would literally just say "omon absu," right? <laughs> it's like. And they'd look at me like, what, what did you just, what did you just say? Um, and so I, I definitely get that. And it's the same with this, with Spanish, um, you know, cause I remember the Bienvenidos um, textbook that we used in high school. It didn't have anything contained in it about, you know, legal and stuff like that. So I, yeah, I definitely agree with you. Um, so let me ask you this one last question. Um, if you were to leave a footprint and an impact on your community and, you know, everyone um, that has a wonderful pleasure of meeting you and working with you, what would you want that impact to be? Um, I guess it would be twofold. I would want people to know that kindness goes a long way. Like genuinely being kind to people and really having compassion for them can go a long way. Um, and also that it's okay to be you, right? I always tell people that even if I wanted to be a typical attorney, I couldn't because the place that sells suits for lawyers don't sell my size because I've been fat my whole life. So um, I, I tried, you know, fat phobia kicked me out. It wasn't me. Right? Um, so you can do things your way. You can be yourself and you can show up as both stern, determined, and kind, and, and get the work done. I I don't think I've ever raised my voice as any as any client. I have told some clients yeah. some things with much strictness in my voice. <laughs> in your, a little bass in your voice. A little, yeah, a little tone. 
giving them a little tone. <laughs> but I've never raised my voice at any client. I've never disrespected any client. I've had the wonderful pleasure of have not having it reciprocated. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've always made sure that when somebody got out of line, I've demanded respect. But I've always been kind because it is hard, regardless of the area of law that you are practicing. If somebody's reaching out to a lawyer, they're probably going to a difficult time. So kindness can go a long way. But don't compromise who you are for anybody. They they don't come correct. Better correct them. Now. Mm-hmm. I I hear that. Well, and and that speaks volumes. You know, I learned a lot about you today, and that really is why I do this. Um, you know, especially um, female brown women, female brown female attorneys. I can't speak right now, or um, non-binary attorneys. You know, I do. I I have to be more cognizant of that because not all of us. Um, you know, identify um, as female, right? So you just taught me something today that I'm, I'm, I do want to change in our intro um, mm-hmm. to be a little bit more inclusive, even being part of the community. I still, you know, I'm kind of like in my own little bubble and then I meet people like you who kind of just like burst that bubble wide open. And, you know, for that, I want to thank you. Um, you know, for me, what I'm taking from this is, you know, your passion and your advocacy um, for inclusion and, you know, being that beacon of of hope and success, um, not only for your clients, but definitely for your family and your friends and, you know, everyone that graces your path. So with that said, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here um, today with us and just hanging and you know, making us laugh. I laughed a lot. So I thank you for that. <laughs> I, I, I really don't try to be funny, but people say I'm funny. I don't know why. Oh, you're definitely funny. You I'm are. Hilarious. Well, I'm a big, big golf goofball. I love having fun. Life is too short um, to be super serious about everything all the time. I too am a goofball. I One of my life's missions is to just make people happy because at the end of the day, I feel like there's so many distractions out there. There are so many negative things to pay attention to. It doesn't, you know, it just doesn't benefit us to kind of be zeroed in on that. Life is too beautiful not to laugh. So with that said, when clients want to reach out or if just people want to get to know, um, you know, the firm a little bit more, what's the best mode of communication um, or just the best um, number or email address that they can use to get a hold of you? Okay, so the best phone number for our office is 833-423-5290. You have to call doing business hours, though. You know, I love my Haitian people, but they don't call doing business hours. Oh, they don't do that. Oh. So no, they don't. <laughs> our, you can you can send an email to our wonderful office administrator at admin at odatlawgroup.com. She's fast and swift and she will call you. She is amazing. She really is amazing. She's actually sitting not too far from me. So I'm giving her her flowers indirectly. Yes. Amazing. She is truly amazing. Just that's how that's how Jica is with us. Every we get rave reviews and Jaika definitely saved my sanity because mental health, like you said, is important and trying to do it all by yourself. Mm -mm. Nope. It doesn't work. Um, No. Um, Camille, I know I saw you put up uh, the website. If you can put that back up. 
um, for us, just in case anybody, you know, wants to um, reach out. I know there's a lot going on in the immigration world, so I can only imagine what your calendar looks like right now. Um, so thank you again for spending 40 plus minutes with us, making us laugh and think about way, thinking about ways to just be more inclusive and definitely being you. And I love it. Thank you again, Alexandra, for being with us. Um, my name is Marie Eve Nadine Jean Baptiste. I am the owner and CEO of the St. Eve Law Firm here located in um, Towson, Maryland. Please follow, like, and subscribe. If you guys have any questions, we're not currently taking any clients right now, but if you need a referral, we will be more than happy um, to send uh, some info your way. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Alexandra. Bye-bye. Thank you for having me. You're welcome.